You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Oh Lord God, this morning would you take my words and allow them to be a word of encouragement for each one of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Merry Christmas, day six. I love that we get to keep counting all 12 days of Christmas. But at this point in the Christmas season, this very short little season, we have now each probably already taken out our Christmas trash. If you haven't yet, you probably need to. Big bags, right? Full of boxes and wrapping paper, ham bones and other detritus from our feasting, clinking bottles, uh, and the plastic packaging that seems to surround every single toy that was ever made in China. Well, at one point during the chaos of opening presents, I found that I had to sneak my way to the trash can because I was hiding a defective bow from my toddler. She would have liked to have carried it around with her and stuck it to her head or to her chest or something, but the staple had come off and it was sharp. So that bow was good only for the trash. I find myself having to do this a lot, hiding things that are not treasures, but that she thinks are treasures from my daughter. She finds anything and can play with it, a disposable coffee cup, shells, acorns, and all of the rocks in the world, especially those rocks that have nothing special about them that are really just big pieces of gravel. I throw those away out of the car once she's in her car seat and she can't see me. That saying is true. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Throughout the book of Isaiah, And even all throughout scripture, we find um, while there are many words of comfort for God's people, there are also before that words of judgment describing what happens when a sinful people are left to their own devices. Just a sampling of phrases and verses throughout Isaiah will tell us that the people of Israel are called a rebellious people, lying children in chapter 30. Um, In chapter 40, the prophet says that all flesh is grass that fades and withers, especially in the face of God's just judgment. In chapter 59, some of their misdeeds are described specifically. No one enters suit justly. No one goes to law honestly. They rely on empty pleas. They speak lies. They conceive mischief and give birth to iniquity. And then one final example, Um, there are many more than these that I've cited, but one example from chapter 64, where the prophet Isaiah himself identifies with the sinful. The you becomes a we. We all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. In our sin, it seems as though we might be disposable and fleeting, maybe even like trash. In 2004, I went on my first mission trip ever. Hard to believe it was 15 years ago now. And I went to India with a group from my church in New York City. After 36 hours of traveling on two separate planes and in several sets of bouncing cars, we finally got to sleep for almost six hours in a bed. 
And when we woke up the next morning, I was certainly shaken. I was a little nauseous. I was discombobulated. I'm the kind of person that doesn't do well with being uh, shaken around and moved from place to place. Well, our lovely breakfast involved local eggs from the chickens that were running around in the yard, eggs that were a little undercooked for my taste. And then, of course, we got back into a bouncing vehicle to ride again uh, over bumpy roads, this time to a poorer neighborhood in the city to visit a ministry that we would be working with during our time there. I'll never forget driving past huge mountains of trash on the edge of what we would call a slum and seeing people eagerly picking through the refuse to find small treasures that would earn them less than a few cents each. I would have loved to been able to play with the beautiful children in that neighborhood's Christian preschool as we'd intended, but instead I found myself crouching outside against the wall with my head between my knees, coming up for air, only to find the smell of all of that trash. Eventually, the inevitable happened, and I tossed the contents of my shaken stomach on the ground. I felt so rude as a rich Westerner, seeing real poverty for the first time, vomiting right there outside someone's house as I saw the sights and smelled the smells of the poorest of the poor. It was as though society had discarded those people in the same way they had discarded their trash. Well, for you and for me, when our lives feel underwhelming or overwhelming, underwhelming as if we had not risen to our projected potential, or overwhelming when the conflict in our closest relationships rises um, to such seemingly insurmountable levels that we feel like we have to escape, or when our outwardly conforming life masks an inside, a secret addiction or attraction that is threatening to ruin our lives. Do you fear, do you feel, do you fear sometimes that God may have discarded you? In my darkest moments, I am tempted to believe that. Sometimes it feels as if we are too broken for even God to fix. The devil gets into our head, spreading lies, telling us that God has given up on us, suggesting that we belong in the kind of trash mountain that I saw and smelled in India. Even thinking about salvation history and scripture, after Adam and Eve plunged all of creation into the brokenness and darkness of sin and death, I have to wonder, God, why didn't you just start over? That's what I would have done. That's what any of us would have done. Well, Christmas comes to remind us that God has not scrapped us or given up on us, even if we think that he ought to have. One man's trash is another man's treasure. In our first lesson for today from Isaiah, we see that God is like my toddler or like the trash pickers in that Indian slum. Isaiah 61 and 62 vividly show that God has not given up on his sinful people. All our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment, but God does not throw us out with the trash. No, instead God enters in. He brings salvation and transformation. 
In Isaiah, he is shown to clothe his people in garments of salvation, in a robe of righteousness. Where there was a desert, there will be a garden. Where there was darkness, there will be light. What should have been trash will become a treasure, even a crown or a diadem in the hand of the Lord. And in verse 4, his people's name will be changed from forsaken or desolate to my delight is in her and married. God brings this reversal of our fortunes by entering into the mess of creation and the mess of the broken lives of his people. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In Jesus, God himself enters into the darkness of sin and death and takes on our old nature. In Christ, God exchanges destinies with us. The second person of the Trinity, very God of very God, humbled himself to be born, knowing that his birth would lead to his death, all so that what was his would become ours through faith in him. And to secure this gift, this exchange of destinies, Jesus was taken outside the city, taken out with the trash, you could say. He was killed like refuse, far from the heart of what mattered to the people of his day. Jesus himself becomes desolate, forsaken even by his loving father, as he cried out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus became forsaken in order that we would be forgiven, in order that we would have a new name. My delight is in her, as Isaiah prophesied. And with this new name comes a new reality, one where God's promise found elsewhere in Scripture to the prophet Joshua is true for us too. I will never leave you nor forsake you. With this new name and this new reality comes also a new nature. The word of God's undeserved mercy and favor spoken over us is a word that also transforms us. We hear about this all throughout scripture, especially um, from the very beginning. From right there in Genesis, God speaks all of creation into existence. There was chaos and nothingness, void and emptiness. And out of that, God speaks all of what is, all of what we see into existence. It's by his very word that that creative work happens. And all throughout the Old Testament, the word of God that was given to the prophets, like Isaiah, like others, is understood almost to be this entity that goes out from God the Father, a distinct entity that then accomplishes his purpose and returns to him. Even by the end of the Old Testament period, this word was almost personified. So it's no mistake that John understands the second person of the Trinity as the word um, that word that came out from the Father, and as Isaiah says in chapter uh, 55, goes forth to accomplish the will of the Father. Isaiah writes, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, 
making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The word of God, the word goes out, is made flesh, accomplishes God's purposes of salvation, ascends back into heaven after rising from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Just like the water table, water goes out, um, uh, waters the earth, brings forth life, evaporates back up into the air. Jesus himself is the one that goes out to accomplish the word of God, the will of God. And in this word of God, we also have to recognize that this word is like a word of encouragement spoken over us. Jesus himself, all of who he is, imputes to us through his death and resurrection something that is not ours by right. He attributes to us something that doesn't belong by nature to us. And in that attribution or that imputation, he changes our very nature. This concept of imputation is something that our culture actually understands sometimes. Um, Sometimes in books or in movies, we'll see one character encourage another character by speaking over them something that is not yet true about them. It's fresh on my mind because I got to see one of these um, on the big screen just this week. My parents were in town, and so my husband and I got uh, one of those wonderful free dates that we were not expecting And I asked my husband what he wanted to do, and he wanted to see a movie that I would have not ordinarily chosen to see. I'm a movie omnivore, as some of you might know, but this was not on my list. Cartoons, army films, and horror films are not on my list. And this film was a cartoon. It was an animated version of Spider-Man. I didn't want to see it, but then when I looked at the reviews and the ratings that it got, I saw, okay, this is actually... This is actually possibly an Oscar contender, and so I better go see it. It's going to be worth spending the money to see it in the theater. And you know the story of Spider-Man. You know the age-old story. The spider bites an adolescent boy who then has to figure out how to use his superpowers for good. In this version that's in the theaters now, the boy, Miles, is visited by other Spider-Men from other universes. And as they try to team up to fight the inevitable bad guy, they suggest that Miles stay behind for his own safety because he hasn't yet mastered his abilities. Depressed and stuck in his room, Miles sits there, defeated. And his father comes to speak to him through the door, striving to connect with him, wanting to tell him that he loves him. And he goes about doing it by telling Miles that there's something special and exciting about him. And then he says, I love you, and you don't even have to say it back. There, at that moment of complete weakness and powerless on Miles' part, his father's words give him what he doesn't have on his own. The word of unconditional love and extended grace transforms Miles. And of course, in the Spider-Verse, he is then able to take up the leap, take the leap of faith to be able to master all of his special spidey abilities and take part in the ending of the film. We are like that boy, 
Jesus Christ himself is the word of God spoken over us, um, changing us, transforming us into what we are not of our own nature. In the prologue to his gospel, John tells us, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We all have received from him grace upon grace. Even in the midst of our inability to obey and honor God on our own, we find that God has not left us to our own devices. He has not forsaken us or left us to our, uh, out on the trash heap. He has not thrown us away. No, instead, God enters in with grace and with truth. Jesus lives and dies, and through his person and his work, God speaks a word of undeserved encouragement and unconditional love over us. It is as though God sees coal and transforms it into a diamond to adorn his own crown. As Isaiah prophesied, through Christ we have miraculously become a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of our God. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Jesus entered in and became like trash so that we would become treasure in God's eyes. And so here at the end of 2008, as you reflect on the past year, if you feel discouraged by your own sin and stubbornness, Remember that God has not given up on you. God rejoices to rescue you. In Christ, God treasures you and delights in you. Amen and Merry Christmas. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.